You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red as Nottingham Forest are through to the Carabao Cup semi-finals after a tense penalty shootout win over Wolves. We'll discuss the game, those tensions spilling over at the semi-final draw and look ahead to Leicester City in the company of Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, I don't want to go full Alan Partridge, but Nathan Tyson's pulled out, so it's just me and you, but I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> That, you yeah, doing? you are becoming Alan Partridge, aren't you? Quite slowly, I think that's uh, that's one that he'd be proud of. But yeah, Tice, we'll see you soon. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back. He just couldn't make it with us, but that's fine. Not to worry. How are you doing? Are you well? Yeah, feeling good. That that just um, engendered memories of the Sheffield United game for me. Just the the, the part of the game, the fact that we ended with a shootout and ultimately uh, came out on the right side it just yeah triggered all those memories of the the, the back end of, of last season so yeah thoroughly enjoyable night yeah like we say another you know another big step in the evolution of forest i guess isn't it yeah i think so and we've just we've become hard to beat right and man united game aside since uh, since the world cup where we we didn't give the best account of ourselves but there's a there's a resilience there now when we find ourselves in um, tough games against decent attacks. And I thought their midfield in particular posed a lot of challenges yesterday. We're a far more re- resilient side and we, we can we can dog out results. And I think that's the, that's the hallmark of the progress that we've made is that we're not rolling over for anybody now. We came up against a poor Chelsea side, admittedly. But in and around that, some good results, get some good sides. I think Wolves... Um, showed enough yesterday to suggest they're going to continue the improvement under the new gaffer. But despite all that, despite the changes they made to try and counter our our threat, despite the experience they were able to call on from the the bench, um, we we, we dug in and held out. So that that resilience was the hallmark of the performance for me last night. Uh, Quick shout out for Forza Garibaldi as well before the match. Obviously, we were biased because of Greg, but I thought, you know, it's great to see again. It was lovely scenes. Um, the shootout, I mean, it wasn't like as tense as the Sheffield United one, obviously, but how were the nerves during it? Uh, I was confident until Sam Surridge missed that penalty, because that's, that's, that's hard to come back from. I think missing the, the first spot kick of a shootout can set the tone, um, can engender nerves in the crowd, applies more pressure to those that take penalties after the, after the miss. Um, but Hendo rose to it, uh, and, and as soon as he... he Saved the first penalty, um, having been in such sparking form throughout the game, it, it seemed to, to me to be written that he'd have the um, decisive moment. So we've got a we've, we've got a good penalty saving keeper now. I was reading Henry Winter in the Times, and he pointed out Hendo's record in saving spot kicks, and it's uh, yeah really positive. So if that's how this tie, this semi final tie, ends up being settled, albeit with Wayne uh, Wayne Hennessy in goal. I think that's our route to the final. We're not going to go and smash Man U over, over two legs, but if we can show that resilience, dog it out, um, find a way to score, you're going to have to score at some point in that in that tie um, and take it to penalties, then I'd, I'd fancy us at that point because we've got recent experience of having done it. We've got players stepping up wanting to take pens Hennessy's a big, got a big old frame on it on him, right? So yeah, I'm uh, I'm not intimidated by a penalty shootout for Forest. Um, was sorry to be unlucky with this penalty. I mean, Gibbs White took one in a similar area of the goal, and I thought it was a 
a much worse penalty that went in. Was Surridge a bit unfortunate, do you think? Yeah, I made a couple of notes about Surridge. So, yeah, he was unlucky with the penalty because it wasn't a bad penalty. Um, struck it well. Uh, keep, keeper telegraphed it and, and made a decent save, but it wasn't a bad penalty. But I, I don't think we've seen anything like enough form from him in his last two performances to suggest that he should displace someone in the, in the side. I think he, he struggled with his finishing against uh, Blackpool. And this can all be put down to ring rust and having had a spell out of the, out of the side. But more tellingly for me, when he got in behind against Wolves after he came on, uh, rather than pinning his ears back, being direct and, and trying to get a shot, shot off at goal, uh, he turned around, didn't he? He checked back and tried to bring others into play. I just don't think that was a sign of a, a confident striker. So Surridge needs to do more. He's going to get some minutes because of the tyre injury and various other factors and the need to rotate in a, in a busy period. So to answer your question, yes, he was unlucky with the penalty because it was it was well struck and well placed and just just one of those keeper keeper guessed right. But I have been slightly con- uh, concerned by his, his form in the last two games. I agree and disagree. So I agree it was a bad, uh, it was an unlucky penalty. I think it was all right when he came on. I think you're right about the going through on goal thing and checking back. It's a sign of his lack of, lack of pace, perhaps, and lack of confidence. But I thought his whole build-up play was quite good when he came on and he kept the ball well in the difficult, difficult circumstances. Was he? I mean, Dennis was an interesting case again because Dennis is more talented footballer, but he was more frustrating than... There was a point where they weren't on the same wavelength. So I thought Surridge did more than Dennis when he came on. But I agree. I mean, we, you mentioned Taiwo. That's a concern, isn't it? Is, Cooper said afterwards we're working on him to get him ready for, for Leicester. But I don't know. You don't want to... Like Cooper's, post, Cooper's injury comments, uh, they sometimes pan out in different ways, don't they? You'll say a player's going to be out for a month and they're back in a week. You say they'll be back in a week and they're back in a month. Regardless, Tyro's injury is a concern if he's out for a stretch now, isn't it? Yes, Steve Cooper's doing the right thing. He's not trying to undermine the, the, his communication with the fans. He's trying to keep opposing managers guessing when it comes to how they set up, how they pick their team, what threats Forrest are going to um, put out there. And I'm not on the inside, but what I'm hearing is Tyro will be um, very, very unlikely to play again in January. So we'll, we'll see how that how that pans out. We've been surprised in the past, haven't we, by the early return of, of, of Morgan Gibbs-White and, and one or two others. So um, that may not be true, but Cooper's definitely playing a bit of a PR game, wants to keep the opposition guessing. And if that means supporters have to be slightly in the dark about the exact injury status of every player, then so be it, because he's doing it for the right reasons to make the, to make the opposition guess. Um, but yeah, I don't think Cooper's always. Uh, I was going to say always entirely honest. It's not, is it? He's playing a. He, he's playing the game to to ensure that uh, opposing managers don't know which which cards are in his hand. Um, but yeah, my hunch is that Taiwo won't be around this month. A um, couple of points before we get into the actual game. What did you make of the ruck afterwards and and the scenes? I know Gibbs White's kind of the villain of the piece. I'm not even sure he's the pantomime villain. I just think he's the villain for the Wolves fans. What was your take on it? Well, it's in our interest for the whole thing to be um, brushed under the carpet, isn't it? Because as soon as the FA get involved and videos are looked at, you're going to see um, players from both teams with their arms raised and far too many people getting involved to, to try and dissipate what is a, a petty squabble played out in front of 30,000 people. Gibbs Wyatt was pumped because 
Wolves didn't give him enough of a chance. They gave him his move to Forest, and he's become a, a key player for, for our team. On the flip side, they've got an inflated transfer fee for a good player, and they've reinvested that in their, in their organisation. So quite where the bitterness comes from, I don't know. But he was getting dog's abuse from the opposing fans. So I think slotting a penalty and giving it the, the fingers in the ears in front of them was quite a restrained response to that, in all fairness. He was then mocked by the Wolves player who did the same celebration when he scored. Something was said between Gibbs White and an opponent just after the um, the decisive penalty. And then there was a bit of handbag. So nothing in it for me. Hope it's um, swept under the carpet and uh, yeah, no repercussions necessary for either team. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a wider thing about players being paced on this um, pedestal. Someone's at my door, but don't worry. I don't know if anyone heard that. Um, players being paced on this pedestal that they have to act in a certain way. They have to be, you know, role models off the, off the pitch and saints on it. And if you're getting dogs abused from fans for 90 minutes, and I, I imagine, I think I've seen bits of his social media feed. He gets dogs abused on his social media feed. I think his girlfriend probably gets dogs abuse as well. You know, for me, sticking your fingers in your ears is like the lowest level of retaliation you can give. I don't have a problem with it at all. And if a player had done it to Forrest, I wouldn't have a problem with it particularly. You know, it would be of a wind-up merchant. Henderson's much more of a wind-up merchant and he played in his favour. To me, like you say, move on. I don't think there was anything in it. We might find out more as it goes on. But for now, it is what it is. You know, Forrest won and let's let's move on. Um, who was your man of the match? There were a few candidates. Did anyone stand out? Well, a few stood out, but who, who was it for you? Yeah, I'm surprised you think there's a debate because for me, Dean Henderson was man of the match by a country mile. Not not just for the um, for the for the penalty sh- for the penalty shootout, but the the saves he made um, during the game, which were decisive saves at, at key times. I know one or two others put their put their hand up. Probably um, Lodi uh, in in particular. But for me, Henderson was the decisive figure in that match. And if if you're if you're going to argue against him being man of the match, which I, I think you are, then the, the floor is yours. Actually, no, I'm not. I agree he was man of the match um, because of the saves and the thing. But I wanted to give a shout-out to a player I was critical of at the start of the season in Renan Lodi. That's why I wrote him in our notes. I thought he was immaculate defensively, especially when Traore came on. The Seawolves throw him off the bench time and time again. And he just gives you know left-backs loads of problems with his pace and power when you know, they're tired after 70 minutes. And I thought he was immaculate. So I wanted to just single Lodi out for what I thought was an excellent performance. His balls in the box were good as well. It's unfortunate we didn't have a striker on the end of it. It's match, so I, I don't um, take any issue with that. I thought he had a really good game. Uh, you know, I thought Yates had a good game. Gibbs White had a good game, but tyres. I'll come on to our bench in a minute. Uh, and Bolly had a good game. And, you know, Bolly's a concern, isn't he? We wouldn't have thought we'd said this, but him going off is a worry now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, and he's, he's grown into that role, hasn't he? We've, we've said before, he had a really poor debut for Forrest, found himself immediately cast to the periphery and then was put back into it as a bit of an experiment, frankly, when we, we played a rotated side against Spurs in the Cup. But he's earned the shirt. I think he's, he's formed a complementary partnership with Worrell, who's more of the ball player, whereas Bolly is more of the, um, you know, the aerial defender. And... If he hadn't been injured, and you know, not sure how long he's going to be out for, he would definitely have, have played on on Saturday. So interesting to watch. But I, I think when I when I pick 
Um, assuming all the players are, you know, in form and fit and, and doing their thing, I, I don't see a lot wrong with uh, Aurier, Worrell, McKenna, Lodi back four. So hopefully McKenna can find his feet quickly, um, can get back to doing what he was doing throughout last season, and become uh, a, a you know a perfect partner for for Worrell, who who also is going to deservedly keep his place. But yeah, it's a blow. Bolly surprised me. He 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 changed my opinion. I was ready to. I was one of those that was ready to write him off after the after the first game, um, but I think he's played eight matches now, and he's been um, yeah pr- pretty flawless in in recent weeks. I've got no worry with McKenna. He obviously he was poor against Blackpool, but everyone was, and I think you know he's player of the year last season. He's been steady in the Premier League, and we have to have this next cab off the rack mentality that we had last season and back the next guy to deliver. And I think I think he'll be all right. And Leicester's not a bad game for him. We'll come on to that, but. Feels like Leicester are a good opponent at a good time. Um, let's go into the game and we'll lead on to a few talking points. The first half, I thought Forrest started well and Brennan was key to it. He tailed off in the second half, but he's looking more and more like the championship Brennan Johnson to me in the right sense of being a threat. Brennan will always come good. I mean, you've, it's that express pace. And we, we have to accept that he, he may only get the ball seven, eight, nine times in a game. But he, he, he's going to make his opposing defender think he's going to get to the byline. And we know when it clicks, he can score goals as well. So, yeah, he's, he's still sharp. I think his mentality has been great because there's been times when he's been criticised and times where he's been lauded. But he stayed very level-headed. Um, of course, we'd like to see more production from him. But there's no one better in this squad to take his place on the right side. He's going to continue to improve. And yeah, last night was a, a, a further signal that he's becoming more and more comfortable playing against um, Premier League opposition. If you just cast your, cast your mind back to the Newcastle game, I think he was up against Shaw in that, in that match. And he, he had him in his pocket a little bit and he looked a little bit shell-shocked. He's come a long way in a very short period of time. He's 21 years old. He was great last night and he's one of, one of uh, a handful of players who maintains their intensity for 90 minutes. I know he was dragged yesterday. That's because he's going to start against, against Leicester. But for me, Brennan Johnson is very, very important to this side. And if we're going to survive in the Premier League, we need him fit and firing. Yeah, definitely. I think the World Cup must have helped him. Obviously, it was rough for Wales and he didn't get the minutes he wanted. But that experience only helps a player and he's come back looking... You know, uh, more the player we know he can be. He wasn't great at Man United, but it wasn't a great night for Forrest. And since then, he's been really good. Um, another point from the first half was Henderson made those two excellent saves. And you mentioned that. Both of them came from Mangala losing the ball in different circumstances. One on the edge of their box where you can't, you know, you take a chance and teams break on you. The second one was more concerning where he did this a couple of times. He's got a habit of doing something really good. And then he gives the ball away really cheaply. That's an area of his game he needs to improve on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But we, we spoke about that mixing midfield and we, who's going to be the centre mid that's going to pass through the lines, going to move forward, going to be progressive. And it, it's not Freud or Yates who are going to provide the structure, the discipline, uh, hunt the opponents down when, we, when we're without the ball. So inevitably, in that role, he is going to lose the ball. Those, to- those turnovers were, were um, incisive for Wolves and we saw the pace at which they broke. But that first save, for me, was the moment in the game. Why he didn't go for the bottom left corner finish rather than top right, I'll never know. Because Hendo was actually standing slightly slightly off centre. And in trying to slot it top right, 
Um, it, it made the save possible for him, but there was a there was a gaping hole on the replay, bottom left. So little bit of luck, but his reaction and the pace at which he he, he moved to get that ball showed well. We've got for me one of the top five or six keepers in the in the division. Rate him that highly. I think that was his best performance for Forest, and that that save in that moment in the first half. Um, yeah, is is the reason why we we found ourselves in the in the final four. Um, we should mention the goal. It's not going to go down as a classic. No, no celebration from Bolly. Are you on board with players not celebrating against their old teams? No, you've scored a goal <laughs> for your employer. Like he's not on loan, is he? Go like go wild. If you've had, if you've had ten fifteen years there, and you're you know club legend, then it's your spiritual home. Fair enough, but. I don't think Willie Bolly's going to have any lifelong association with with Wolves. So, yeah, fair play. I don't know his character. Maybe he's just all business. Maybe maybe he doesn't celebrate. He just uh, yeah prods it in and and walks away. But there was there was an intelligent move. I think it was a planned corner because it wasn't great. And if Ori hadn't made that near post run, it would have got cut out at the near stick. But Aurier makes uh, makes an arching run in front of the defender covering the the near post. Flick on off the bar, body reacts quickest. So, if that was a if that was a pre-planned corner to have Aurier become the first man, win the flick, attract three defenders to the near post, and there's there's Bolly and Wazer at the at the back stick trying to prod it in, then then fair play. Because if you watch that corner back, it it, it looked like a training ground routine. Um, if if you're being unkind, it was a it was a poor corner which which Aurier rescued and flicked on. So yeah, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I feel. I mean, Aurier again. He's actually he's got a real valuable asset, hasn't he? He's, he's this out ball from the keeper every single time. It's a bit predictable. I don't know why teams don't put you know get a midfielder to go out on him if they're taller because he just wins headers from Henderson's out ball. He's another asset. I mean, he lost his rag a bit in the game at one point. I was worried he was, we were going to see the old Serge Aurier, but once again he was excellent and yeah, he saved that corner. It wasn't it wasn't the best, but. And Worrell should have scored as well, but you know, got the overline in the end. Um, half time, Wolves bring on Neves, and I thought he. I know some Wolves fans have got. Uh, uh, they're grumbling that you know um, Lopetegui should have gone stronger at the start because I thought Neves came on and changed the game, and Wolves. I think they they really dominated the midfield for a good twenty thirty minutes there, and it leads me on to the question about Forest bench. It looks a bit thin, doesn't it? I mean, again, I thought Colback was really good when he came on. But you have to leave Gibbs White on for ninety minutes. You can't bring Lingard on. It, it, it's an area where for, it shows Forest do need a couple of players this month, don't they? You should rationalise the story of the game. We started with our best available eleven, and any change that we made from the bench, two rest players for Saturday was going to weaken it somewhat. Wolves took a different tact, played a few squad players, but when they found themselves in trouble, every time they changed it from the bench, they got stronger. So Neves was the change at half time, wasn't it? Instant impact. They did. Pedence and Dakuna on the hour mark made it stronger. Um, meanwhile, we swapped. Uh, Bolly was the first change, wasn't it? That was that was enforced for McKenna, yeah. and then we dragged Scarpa and Jono for for, for Dennis and Surridge. Yeah, and Colbert so, just after the goal. Yeah, and, and Colbert after the goal. So yeah, that, I, I wasn't surprised. They reacted to going behind by bringing on the big guns. We reacted to knowing we've got a massive game against Leicester on Saturday and needed to rest some key players by giving minutes to the bench. But I don't think our substitutions improved the performance. They were defensive in the sense that they were to preserve players for Saturday rather than to affect this game. 
where Wolves were able to inject players that just give them that that bit more poise, pace, precision, particularly in the hole and in centre mid. And yeah, they if they'd have started with their stronger side, I, I wonder how different it could have been. But fair play to Cooper. He's managed his resources well. I wouldn't say he wrote off Blackpool, but he did make 11 changes and none of those guys would necessarily be in the being the, um, the the best eleven, Scarper aside, he managed to force his way in. And it was clearly always his intention to play his best eleven from the start in this one. So he, yeah, he he got it right for me. Wolves tried to react, but a little bit too little, too late. And despite the problems they they caused us, we were able to cling on. But we were clinging on a bit in the second half. They had twenty five thirty minute period of dominance, like you said, and I think their subs really affected the game. Um, what do you think of the Danilo rumours then? Because he's looking like he might come in. I think he's twenty-one Brazilian, twenty-one-year-old uh, Brazilian defensive midfielder from Palmeiras, where we got Scarpa from. I, mean, I haven't seen him play, and he sounds very promising. But it always feels to me like it's a big ask to ask a young player to come from Brazil to the Premier League without that kind of bridging move that we often see to Ajax or France or something like that. Uh, he sounds great. But we can't see him as a silver bullet necessarily, can we? Look, it's a wild card signing, isn't it? And you, you scout someone who's played in the Brazilian league, um, played in the Copa Libertadores. I think he's won it actually, hasn't he? He's won it twice as a as a twenty one year old, which is pretty exceptional. But we're asking a player to come and settle in immediately in the Premier League, play number six, be the axis, get things moving, put put a shift in defensively as well. And inevitably, he's going to find himself against better opposition at a faster pace. That said, he's not being scouted by Arsenal and several European clubs for no reason. So if we pull it off, I think it's a bit of a coup. But it's a risk as well because he's not proven um, in, in the Premier League, which is the World Super League, effectively. I'd welcome it. I think we need a player in that position but I, I'm, I'm not qualified to say whether, whether or not he's the answer. be a very exciting signing because there'd be some jealous faces at bigger clubs than ours who think he's a, he's a prospect of sufficient quality for, for them to be attracting him. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think he'd be a great signing. I, you just wonder whether he's the great signing for 18 months' time. I, mean, I might be wrong. He might be the guy who comes in and he's great, but uh, you often see young South American players, they need that time and Forrest can't really give them that time but we're in the position where if we're going to go for these players you have to get them early and you can't spend the 50 or 60 million on them because they're going to go to Arsenal at that point or they're going to go well everyone's going to go to Chelsea so I see why Forrest are doing it and I'm, I'm definitely on board with it um talking of Brazilians we've spoken about Lodi and thought he was great what did you make of Scarpa last night in his first start at home I think he's good I think he's going to live with a level I think he's he's tuning in I'm not sure how many games he's played in the driving rain when it's you know five five degrees and we're sat there but with our with our woolly hats on but he, he seems adaptable he wants the ball um he puts he puts the defensive shift in he's not not afraid of a, a 20 yard sprint to help out defensively and he's only going to improve so you know the information that we had pre-christmas that he might be in on one plane and then loaned out to to olympiacos a week later Seems far from the mark. I think Cooper has clearly seen enough to have decided that he wants him around. He sees a role for him. He thinks he can assimilate into this system. 
And we've seen two performances now of genuine promise. And I think the acid test is when, when he finds a, a slot for himself, if it's in the number 10 role as it, as it was last night, playing with these players for a, for a longer period of time, can he contribute with, with goals and assists? Because that, that is the weakness in this, in this Forest team. We're not scoring enough goals. We're defensively solid now. Can, can he be the one that unlocks the door? And even if he's, even if he's not um, going to score seven, eight, nine goals between now and the end of the season, can he be a, a creative force to help you know, Johnson, Gibbs White, Tyra when he returns, get in? But early signs are promising. And I, I think Scarpa will start 10 to 15 games between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, if we were rating the players, if Gibbs White's an eight out of 10 last night, then Scarpa's a solid six and a half, seven, you know, did a good job. Bright moments in the first half. I thought he tired. He looks like he maybe. I think Cooper's mentioned he's on a fitness programme to get him up to the, you mentioned the level, the intensity mm. of the Premier League. But lo- lots of promising signs. I suspect, like we said before he came, the stance would probably be to ease him in, in off the bench. And I think that would have been the stance still if Lingard was fit or a one-year was fit. I think we'd have still seen a one-year Gibbs-White, Johnson, the, the, the three that was looking promising. But Scarpa's got this opportunity and I, I think he, he's done well. I'm a bit surprised maybe he's not on set pieces from what we've read about him. But Gibbs-White puts a good ball in uh, and so it's a mark of respect to Gibbs-White that he's still on them. But yeah, Scarpa's doing well. I've got no complaints about him uh, at all so far. Um should we move on to thoughts about the draw necessarily. Is there anything else you want to say about the game? Um, no, not not really. Look, the, the the fitness thing is 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 definitely there. You can see lads that were were tiring on seventy minutes. I'd, I'd put Gibbs White into that bracket. Yeah, He's coming back from yeah. a calf strain where he obviously hasn't been able to do the volume of running that he would he would typically do. So that there is for me, there are for me three or four players who who do tire on seventy minutes. On the flip side, I'd highlight players like Brennan, Ryan Yates, Renan Lodi, who seem to have the, the, the fitness to, to maintain that intensity throughout. I know that we're having to um, nurse injured players, blood scarper earlier than perhaps would have been the plan, try and get Taiwo Lingard um, back, in this, back in this side. Um, but yeah, I just, I just hope we're able to um, maintain enough of the 25 uh, keep them match ready so that when we do look to the bench and need to make changes that can posit- positively affect the game, there are options there. Because what we've, with three, four players we've discussed today who are injured, it's going to happen. There's going to be two or three more that, that join that list at, at some stage. And yeah, I really hope that doesn't uh, undermine um, the, the momentum and the results which we're now um, enjoying because competition for places is is so key to avoid complacency to keep people sharp and to make sure that those that come up from the bench know they have to perform uh, I thought Ryan Yates was funny last night uh, he needs to find a way to not get booked in these games he walks the tightrope and he walked it from the first minute to about the 88th minute and then finally the ref booked him after giving him all those final warnings there's only so many times you can pat the ref on the shoulder and say sorry about that one and you know eventually you're going to get the yellow card so that's one thing for him to take note of. But again, I thought he was really good. I thought he was our best midfielder and went toe-to-toe. You know, he's going toe-to-toe with Moutinho and Neves and Nunes cost them like 60 million quid and supposed to be the, the best young midfielder in Europe. So again, another really strong performance from him. But he, he does walk that tightrope and eventually he's going to get a ban. So 
something to bear in mind. Um, the draw, did you want Southampton or did you think, oh, I, don't, I mean, you know, not United? Are you bothered? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, Diggs, I, uh, look, I want to I wanna go to that final at Wembley, right? Um, if, if, if Forrest are playing. So when I saw the draw and the potential for Newcastle, Man City and Man United to, to qualify if it went to form, uh, it gets you thinking, what's our route to the final here? We've seen what the Manchester clubs can do to you at home. We watched Newcastle take Leicester apart and the improvement that they seem to make um, week after week. So I was hoping that a side would do us a favour, sneak into the hat, because I was confident we'd beat Wolves and that we'd draw them in the semi. I had no interest really in um, you know, facing ma- a massive club in a two-legged semi. Give me Southampton any day of the week. So, yeah, that, that's what I was hoping for. Need a manure, let me down. And, yeah, we, we find ourselves having to do Man United over, over two legs. But it's done, out of our control, on we go. Um, of course, they're going to be the overwhelming favourites. But, you know, our club's got a, a pretty decent record in two-legged semi-finals, playoffs aside. I think the thing about United is, since the restart, they played Forest Wolves, Bournemouth, Everton, Charlton. So they, they haven't really played a big gun, which kind of gives me hope. Now, obviously, Forest fit into that bracket of not a big gun, the kind of team you want to play. So Forest going to have to raise their level significantly. I just kind of hope they're flat track bullies and Forest can turn up at home and take a lead to Old Trafford and then then see what happens. But obviously, like Rashford's on fire at the moment and that's going to be a big test for for Aurier. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm not ruling Forest out. It's something to enjoy. And to be fair, if Forest end this season with the League Cup semi-final and most importantly, staying in the Premier League, I mean, that qualifies as a great season, doesn't it? Bite your hand off. And I think when we're talking at the start of the year, we'd, we'd probably say, look, write the Cups off. Let's just finish 17th and, and, and nothing else matters. But it hasn't been a distraction, has it? It's, it's helped our momentum. I think the way that the lads feel now will help Saturday. The way that we dispatched Spurs in the Cup and the, the experimental action in that game, which has become a, a bit of a blueprint of how we're, how we're playing now, particularly for Bolly, Worrell and, and, and Renan, Renan Lodi. So it's not been a distraction. We didn't get caught up in the FA Cup hype. We used last weekend to, to rest key players. Um, we'll be fine. We're prepared well for Leicester. And yeah, it's been, a, it's been a positive factor. So you're right. As much as I enjoy it, nothing will mean more than staying in the Premier League for uh, an, another year. But it, it hasn't been a negative distraction. I think it's had a positive impact on league form. Yeah, it's that Spurs game, weirdly could end up being one of the most important pivotal games of the season in the Carabao Cup, which no one would predict. But it was the first game where Forrest have actually comfortably beaten a really good side. And we know we've spoken about it before. They've stumbled on the back five that now has established itself. Although obviously Lodgy's injured and it gives McKenna that chance. But Polly. Uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, uh, but it's established the blueprint, as you say. And it, it might go down as really the, the turning point of the season, which you wouldn't predict, to be fair. Um, let's talk about Leicester then. I guess, does the team pick itself? Are there any selection debates now? It's just the injuries, Matt, isn't it? So um, my, my selection would be Henderson in goal. Let's assume Bolly's out and put McKenna alongside Worrell at centre half. You're absolutely sticking with those fullbacks, Serge Aurier, Renan Lodi. Midfield three will pick itself. 
Froiler, Yates, and Mangala. And then there's there's a, a place for, for, for debate up top. Um, but I think that Gibbs, White and Johnson will will play. And I suggest Scarpa is 75% certain to retain his place as well. So that that'll be the that'll be the team for, for me. I don't think Dennis or Surridge have done quite enough with their opportunity to to force their way in unless Cooper decides to set up in a, in a particular way and see something in one of those guys, or there's, there's a need to, 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 to rest one of those, one of those front three. I don't think Tywo will be around. I don't think he'll be on the, on the bench, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. So that, that would be the selection for me. Um, and yeah, those 11 are de- deserving of their places. Yeah. My team would be the same. I think obviously, like you say, the debate is Scarpa or I guess Surridge really. Do you want that that focal point or do you want that fluidity? I'd still go with Scarpa. I mean, there was a point yesterday where I think Aurier plays a no-look pass onto the edge of the box and then they move it one, two, three across and the cross comes in and I think I might be getting my moves mixed up. There's no one there on the end of it. And I think that's the price you pay for not having the striker. The build-up plays great. No one gets on the end of it. And you worry, can Forrest score two or three goals in a game without you know, a, uh, without a one-y or a striker. But I think, as you say, Sorridge hasn't quite done enough. I th- don't think Dennis certainly hasn't done enough to earn a start. So I'd go with those three, be fluid, look a threat from set pieces. I mean, is it, must-win game is, is far from where it is. It's But it's another opportunity game, isn't it? Leicester are in no great shakes themselves at the moment, are they? I watched the Newcastle game. They were They were nowhere. And I'll say it again, pre-Southampton, we were in this mindset, is it going to be cagey? Are we going to go and nick it? And no, we have to have that mindset that like we're competing now. We're in this. We can drag more teams um, into trouble. We can leapfrog, leapfrog Leicester if we, if, if we win. So, yeah, let's go, go in confident, be, be attacking. We were yesterday. We were often committing three players forward to, to occupy their back four and create space for our, for our midfield. So, yeah, I think it's a good time to play Leicester. I think uh, Rodgers is finding himself under under some pressure. They're missing some some key players too. And while they lost two 0 to Newcastle, it's no exaggeration to say it could have been it could have been six. So playing them at a the right time, good record against them at the City Ground last year. Probably put in our worst performance of the season at their place. Time to make amends. I'm backing us, and I, my score prediction is one 0 we said a couple of weeks ago after Gibbs White missed a game and then came back, you see the value of him and how important he is. If you take Madison out of Leicester, I mean, they're a totally different team. And so I think so long as, you know, he's not going to be back as far as I know. So as long as that's the case, I would certainly back Forrest as well. Um, I just wanted to mention, Nico Williams is out as well, isn't he? I don't know. I, I People might correct me if I'm wrong. Did he go off with a head injury against Blackpool? Has he got another concussion? That would be a worry. I'm looking at the bench last night. It was Cook, Mbeso, Colback, O'Brien, Toffolo, Surridge, Dennis, McKenna. I mean, I just wanted to ask you about O'Brien. I asked, um, who was I on with the other day? It was Greg, wasn't it? What's your take on O'Brien? He just can't get a kick at the moment. Does he need a loan? Mm, you can't really give him one, can you? There was early promise, wasn't there? You, you, you can't give him a loan because we, we, we need depth at the minute with, with the injuries that we've got. So I, I'd be surprised to see uh, anybody leaving on loan until the, the signings start to start to come in. Um, 
showed early promise, started the season in possession of a shirt. I think he started against Newcastle, but just just hasn't done enough. We, ha- we haven't seen that outstanding quality from him that warrants giving him a sustained run in the side where you'd say there's a there's a there's a poise from Froiler, there's an industry and a work rate and a aggression from 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 Yatesy. I'm just just trying to think what his what his you know killer attribute is to, to warrant him having a place in the side. So he's probably suffering from a, a bit of a you know he's an all round decent central midfielder, but he's not a Premier League game breaker. So yeah he just, just hasn't quite done enough, has he? He hasn't had the minutes. But let's trust Cooper. He's picking a team based off what he's seen on the on the training ground all week. So he's got to, he's got to force the issue. But there's 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 no Forest fans that I'm aware of that are calling for him to be in the side. No, true. Uh, Lee asks in the comments who are Leicester missing? <coughs> Excuse me. I know they're missing Pereira, James Justin, Johnny Evans. So three of their first choice back four and James Madison uh, and Bubakar Simari. So um, yeah, that's a big chunk of their side as well. So it's all, certainly all to play for. Um, any other business before we go? Any points you want to raise? Um, not really. I mean, let's just just keep behind the boys. Great atmosphere again last night. Really, really loud. Wolves fans were were, were boisterous, weren't they? And, and tried to get their team going. But yeah, no match for the city ground on a on a Wednesday night. So thoroughly enjoyed last night. Spoke to a few people and just reflected again on the, you know, this period of time that we're having is just great to be involved with. Great to see. Let's hope it can roll on with these these fixtures we've got ahead because I don't think Leicester, Leeds or Bournemouth are particularly looking forward to playing us at the minute. But moreover, this is this is our chance to put real daylight between us and the drop zone to get away from you know, the, the Evertons of this world who are in just dreadful, dreadful form, the Southamptons of this world who are in dreadful, dreadful form, despite last night's cup victory. Let's kick on. Momentum is with us. The belief is there beyond any level it's been at at any stage this season. I really hope these next three games are the ones where we kick on. Yeah, I'd echo that. I think, like you say, an opportunity to kick on. Just we're really walking that injury tightrope. Touch wood, we don't get anyone else, and we, you know, Forest do need to sign a couple of players. But things are moving in the right direction. And I really enjoyed last night. It was a good game. It was surprisingly niggly. I didn't expect that. I mean, there's no, there's a, a history between the clubs, and you know, they're two great old English clubs. But there's no massive rivalry. But yeah, it made for a good game, and I certainly enjoyed it. So on to the next one. I think we might beat Man United. I wouldn't completely rule it out. Uh, thanks for everyone who's watched along. Uh, and commented, very much appreciated. And as ever, if you enjoyed it, do like and subscribe. Uh, in the meantime, Temps, thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. Apologies for my technical gremlins. I'll see you soon. No problem. Can't be helped is the world we live in. So I'm sure everyone understands. Uh, in the meantime, have a good weekend. Enjoy the Leicester game and we shall catch you all on Monday. <laughs>